The Productive Woman, Episode 393. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome. Welcome back if you've been with me before. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to talk about numbers and productivity. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 393. This episode is brought to you by our returning sponsor, Calm. And before we get started, let's take a brief break. Now, this is technically an ad break, I guess, but our partners at Calm wanted you to focus on yourself for a moment. So whatever you're doing, even if you're driving, you may not be able to close your eyes, but just pause for just a moment, take a deep breath, and let it out. Relax wherever you're holding your tension. It's important to tune in and recenter, and Calm can help. And that's why I'm so glad to be able to partner with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that can improve the way you feel. You can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and for adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And if you go to calm.com slash TPW, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription with new content added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds, and Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. I've talked more than once about how much I rely on Calm's sleep stories to get the sleep I need, but Calm offers much more than that. For example, when I find myself stressed and anxious, whether because of work deadlines or personal matters, Calm's guided meditations can help me with that. Now, realistically, in situations like that, I often feel like I don't have time to pause and sort of recenter myself but I've learned that doing so can make a huge difference in my productivity afterwards. Calm's guided meditations help me take a moment, take a breath, and refocus my mind on what matters, and it makes a big difference in how my day goes. As I mentioned, for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tpw. So go to calm, C-A-L-M, calm.com slash T-P-W for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Once again, that's calm.com slash T-P-W. So let's get into our main topic. I have been thinking this week about numbers and productivity. And maybe this sounds a little weird, but hopefully it'll make sense as we get into it. 
there are important numbers in connection with productivity, whether we're talking about in the sense of getting things done or just in making a life that matters. And I've just been thinking about some of those numbers. So I did a little research and thought I'd share some of that with you. So first of all, there are some statistics I wanted to talk about. Those are numbers. And there are ways of measuring productivity. For businesses, uh, one article that I read um, shared that productivity is measured by, and I'm quoting here, the amount of value you create divided by the number of hours you work. So she says a person with high productivity will create the same amount of value for an organization in a shorter time or create a more significant amount of value in the same amount of time. So that's kind of when we think about productivity in the business sense, whether you're being productive at work, it is the amount of value you're creating divided by the number of hours that you work. And you can come up with a number for that. But as she notes in this article, and this is an article called How to Improve Your Personal Productivity, and I will share a link to this article and several others in the show notes that you might find helpful to read. Uh, And in this article, the author notes that this method of measuring productivity doesn't necessarily work for individuals. She says the problem is it's hard to measure personal productivity this way as you won't always have a clear understanding of the value you create. This is especially true, she says, if your work doesn't involve creating a physical product, making output harder to measure. So, you know, if you're your job is to create, you know, a certain number of hamburgers or widgets of whatever kind uh, during your workday, then this method of measuring productivity is going to be pretty easy because you can take the total number of widgets you created that day, divide them by the number of hours that you worked, and there you've got your measure. Uh, But that's not the case if you're not producing a physical product. And so she goes on to say, it might be easier to think about productivity in terms of the total number of productive hours you have on an average day or week. And she says, a productive hour is one where you get stuff done, where you feel you can concentrate on a task and complete it free from distractions. So I think that makes a lot of sense to think of productivity in terms of the number of productive hours you have in your workday or your, your day in general, because for somebody like me in my, in a legal field, I suppose I could measure the number of documents I get generated uh, in the course of a day, but that's not really a good measure of productivity for a lawyer. So the question then for someone like me becomes how many productive hours did I have on a given day Uh, measured against the number of hours I was sitting at my desk working, for instance. And that you can figure out, keeping in mind, as she describes it, a productive hour is one where you get stuff done, where you feel like you can concentrate on a task, get it done, you're not distracted, but you're actually doing the thing that you were hired to do. Or, you know, in your personal life, the same thing applies. A productive hour is an hour in which you got 
done what you intended to get done during that hour. Uh, I thought it was interesting that she cited in this article a study from 2019 reported by the UK's Economic Research Council. And this study, she says, found that the UK average worker was only productive for two hours and 53 minutes in every working day. So this is a study that was done, reported by the UK Economic Research Council. You can read more about it if you want to uh, by checking the link in the show notes for this episode. But she points out that if if the average worker in the UK was productive for only two hours and 53 minutes in each working day, so that's less than three hours. She says, assuming the average working day is around eight hours, this leaves nearly five hours of doing not so much. Uh, And in her words, this leads to the eyebrow-raising conclusion that if your personal productivity is above three hours per day, you're already more productive than the average employee. So something to think about. I, I, I was kind of surprised by that statistic. I didn't dig deeper to see if I could find um, similar statistics for the U.S. or you know other parts of the world. But this is one study that's you know coming up with those conclusions. So when you're if you are trying to figure out whether you're having a productive day, this is one way to measure it. One set of numbers. So I think these kinds of statistics can be interesting, and they are sets of numbers that are relevant to productivity, uh, both in the business world and just for us individually. The numbers that I was thinking about originally, though, that really kind of got me um, pondering, I guess, this week and led to me uh, doing the research that led to this episode are the more basic numbers related to time. Numbers like we have, there are 365 days in a year. There are 52 weeks in a year. There are seven days in a week, and there are 24 hours in a day. That is the same for every person on the planet. Nobody gets any more than that. Setting aside maybe traveling across multiple time zones or something, uh, but If you are located in a particular location, you are going to have the same number of days and weeks in a year, the same number of days in a week, the same number of hours in your day as everybody else has in the world. And what I thought about that is, you know, we all have those numbers apply to all of us and we do all get to choose what we do with them. Every one of us as an individual gets to choose what we do with our 365 days in a year, with our seven days in a week, with our 24 hours in a day. And we can, uh, the results of our choices kind of determine how productive we are, again, both in the sense of getting things done, but also in the sense of making a life that matters as we define it. Um, everybody has the same amount of time. And the question that I, you know, was really thinking about is why do some people seem to accomplish so much more with the time that they have? And, And we've talked about this before that, you know, there are other people who do what I do, whether it's podcasting or as a lawyer or 
as a mom or anything else who I could look at and say, wow, how has she accomplished all those things? And I've only done, you know, ABC. Well, comparing ourselves with somebody else isn't necessarily helpful because every one of us is an individual. And I I want to encourage you if you have found yourself thinking the way I was thinking of sort of looking at certain other people and thinking, why is she able to accomplish so much more in a day, in a week, in a year than I've been able to? Not to compare yourself to someone else because you don't know what their circumstances are. Every one of us is different. We're, you know, even if you're comparing yourself to somebody who's the same age as you and the same socioeconomic background, there are other factors that that weigh into uh, how much we accomplish if you want, you know, if you're trying to compare those things. Your physical health, for instance, your mental health, your um, your priorities, the number of children you have, all the all sorts of different things can go, weigh into how much we do, how many different things, I guess, we do in the course of a day or a week or a year. And comparing ourselves on those bases, I just don't think is very helpful. It's tempting. You know, we, there's, if you're like me, you look at some other people and you think, well, I should be able to do that. I have, you know, I'm, I'm just as the same age. I've got the same resources, uh, you know, whatever the situation may be. But I just don't think it's helpful. We can, though, learn from those that we um, consider highly productive, and we can adopt their practices if they make sense for us. And so looking at the number of, you know, the, the numbers we were talking about, the days in a year, the weeks in a year, and all of that, and looking at someone else who we feel is is doing more with her days, hours, weeks, figure out what she's doing and see if there's something she's doing that maybe helps, could help us accomplish more. But again, do so with your own priorities and values in mind. Um, so I just think that's important for us to all remember. So in the, in the context of maybe looking at what other people do that helps them to be productive uh, and, and determining whether some of their practices might make sense for us if we want to be more productive than we feel like we are. I thought I'd talk just, just for a few minutes about some numbers-based productivity tools and techniques that we can implement in our own lives that w- might help us be more productive or, or feel more productive. And so there are a few of those that that are out there. We've talked about some of them in the past, but I'm specifically focusing here on numbers-based productivity tools and techniques. And so, for instance, there is the one-minute rule, or sometimes people talk about the three-minute rule. And the basic gist here is that if a task can be done in one minute or three minutes, if that's the approach you're taking, then do it immediately. Instead of adding it to your to-do list, just do it. And this can apply to lots of different things. It can apply to responding to a quick email or text. It can apply to 
a phone call that you need to make or to return if it can be done in one minute. If it's something that's going to call for a longer conversation or in the case of an email requires more thought and and planning, then it goes on to the to-do list. But if it can be completed in one minute or three minutes, then you just do it then. It can apply to things like cleaning up a mess on your desk or on your kitchen counter or something, throwing something in the trash, you know, anything like that. Making the bed actually can be done usually in about three minutes or less. Uh, I've timed that with how long it takes for my my tea to brew. Um, So whatever it is, though, the one-minute rule, the three-minute rule, whichever approach you want to take – can be helpful in getting uh, more things done in the day. What it does is it it avoids the accumulation of tiny little tasks that can add up and turn into kind of a snowball into a big thing that distracts you from the more time-consuming deep work. Um, So uh, that's a numbers-based productivity technique that I think can be really helpful. Another one that we've all heard about is the Pomodoro technique. And the idea here is to use a timer, uh, set a timer and work for 25 minutes on a single task. And then uh, when the 25 minute timer goes off, you take a five minute break. And then you do another Pomodoro, uh, 25 minutes of work with a five minute break. And the the more extended version of the Pomodoro technique says that after the fourth Pomodoro, you take a longer break, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And what this can do is really help you to focus on one thing at a time because you're working against the timer and you don't have to keep looking at your watch or your clock or your phone, which then sends you down some other rabbit hole. Uh, You're going to work until the timer goes off. And there actually are uh, Pomodoro timers that are shaped like a I think it's a tomato. Pomodoro was was named that because the person who developed it used a tomato-shaped timer. Uh, You can buy timers in that shape. You can use a a timer on your phone or your your computer, but you work against the timer. You stay focused on that one task. Uh, Another thing that this Pomodoro technique does that can help us be more productive is it really forces us to break our projects down into small pieces uh, because you're, the piece you're going to work on, you're only going to work on for 25 minutes before you take a break. And then, you know, if it's something that uh, a task that's going to take more than one 25-minute session, you pick it up after that. So this can be a very useful approach, keeping you focused and yet giving you short breaks to sort of rest your mind and body before you go on. Uh, Now, I like the Pomodoro technique, but it might be too uh, chopped up for some people or for some projects. If you're the kind of person who can, you know, get right down to work when you set the timer and keep and, and accomplish things in 25 minute increments, then it's a great technique to try. But if your personal work or focus style needs longer work sessions, maybe you take a few more minutes to kind of get into the swing of whatever you're doing, then maybe you want a longer work session, maybe a 60 minute work session and then a 10 minute break. Um, 
I have friends, uh, writer friends who used to do one hour writing sprints together. And I'm using air quotes around together because they were doing it via Facebook. One of them would announce in a, in a Facebook on their Facebook page or whatever. Hey, if anybody out there's writing, let's do a one hour sprint. They'd all start at the top of the same hour or the, you know, the bottom of the hour, whenever. And then 60 minutes later, they'd check back in, in the, in the Facebook page or group uh, with how many uh, words that they'd gotten written in that hour. And it was a great motivation, a kind of a crowdsourcing some motivation to get things done. But it's the same concept of, of longer, similar to the Pomodoro, but longer sprints than the 25 minutes. Another version of this is something I hadn't heard before I started kind of researching this, uh, but there's something called the 5217 rule. And basically, it's like a Pomodoro, but you set the timer to work for 52 minutes, and then you take a 17-minute break. And you can repeat that as many times as you need to during your workday. This apparently was developed based on some studies that were done that indicated that um, top performers in this study reported that, that their ability to focus uh, best kind of the optimum time for focused work was 52 minutes and the amount of rest the mind needed after that was a 17 minute uh, break period was optimum uh, before they started to work again. Uh, I've got a couple of articles that refer to this. Like I said, I had I had not heard of this before I started researching this episode, but I, I it resonates with me. I think it's something that makes sense. Seventeen minutes gives you enough time to get up, use the restroom, grab a you know a glass of water, a cup of tea, or coffee, or whatever, and maybe walk around the yard with the dog for a minute, uh, whatever you need to do, and then get back to work for 52 minutes that's a that's a nice chunk of time to to focus on something so that that might be worth checking out if if you think that this technique which a lot of um, a lot of very productive high performing people uh, refer to some form of the pomodoro or the 5217 rule or something like that as a key to them getting plenty of work done during their work day. And this doesn't have to apply just to work work like office work or, you know, widget cranking or anything like that. We can apply this to our, our things we're doing around the house, our, uh, hobby things that we're doing, anything, um, the idea is to focus for a period of time on one thing, take a break and then, you know, continue on. So that is another numbers-based productivity technique that might be helpful that we can learn from those highly productive people. The next one that uh, I thought about, the next numbers-based productivity technique is the 80-20 rule. This is also known as the Pareto principle or Pareto principle. It's named after a 19th century economist who identified it. The concept of the 80-20 rule uh, is that 20% of your efforts will provide 80% of your results. And this actually, the Pareto principle, this 80-20 rule applies in lots of areas. Uh, but uh, in terms of productivity, personal productivity, 
the idea here is that roughly 20% of your efforts, 20% of the things you do will provide about 80% of your results. And how this is useful is to uh, evaluate your, your work. And again, air quotes around the word work, because whether we're talking about our professional work or personal pursuits, what actual activities that we do account for the majority of our results. And usually you can find this, like I said, it applies across the board. If you, if you work with clients, the Pareto principle would say that about 20% of your clients, uh, provide account for 80%, roughly 80% of your, of your income. So, the idea is that it makes sense to really focus on that 20% because that's where you're getting the majority, the, the large majority of your results. And you can do the same thing, as I said, in whatever you're doing, what are the activities you're doing, the things you're pursuing that are providing the majority of your results, whether those results are income or satisfaction or, you know, whatever it is identify what's the 20%, everything else is in the 80%, and how can you allocate more time to those that are in the 20% by eliminating or minimizing the others? So it's a kind of an efficiency in making the best use of our time by understanding consciously what am I doing that gets me the best and the most effective results. So that's another great uh, tool or technique that we can apply to make the best use of our hours, days, weeks, years. Uh, then the, the last numbers-based technique, and there are others, but the last one I thought I'd talk about a little bit here is something called the one-hour rule. Sometimes I saw it referred to as the five-hour rule, but the concept is to set aside one hour per day for deliberate learning. Or some people talk about it uh, as, you know, setting aside one hour a day to develop a specific skill or project like writing. A lot of writers talk about this, who that they're not... Um, Maybe they're not full-time writers, that's not their full-time income, but those who follow this rule will say, I'm going to set aside one hour a day, uh, five days a week to, to work on my writing. And you will generate a lot of results that way. This rule or this technique was attributed in most of the places where I read about it to Benjamin Franklin. Uh, but it's followed by various other well-known productive people. And I'll, like, like everything else, I'll put links to a couple articles in the show notes in case you want to learn a little more about this. But I really like the idea of just setting, uh, it's a way of setting a measurable goal for yourself, not an outcome-based goal, but I'm going to spend one hour a day or five hours a week, however you want to uh, you know, measure it, devoted to this one thing. What a lot of them do is it's devoted to learning, reading things to develop their mind or their professional skills or whatever, or w one hour a, a day uh, working on improving a particular skill. If you want to learn to play the piano or the guitar, whether you want to, um, you know, 
increase your physical stamina and you're going to spend an hour a day uh, working on that. Uh, whatever it is you want to do um, or learn, setting aside an hour a day, five hours a week, um, will help you to improve your productivity because you will be accomplishing something that matters to you, right? So a couple of things before we wrap up, a couple of thoughts to consider um, when we're talking about productivity by the numbers, Um, things to keep in mind uh, as you think about all of this. When it comes to work, whether, again, whether it's your your day job, your side hustle, your business, whatever it is, like so many other things, more is not necessarily better. We do not become more productive necessarily by working more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And um, one article that I read, and again, we'll link in the show notes, uh, quoted a woman named Bridget Schulte, who is the director of the Better Life Lab at New America, and has written a book a, a few years ago called Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. Now, just that title alone, as a side note, uh, I, I'm real interested in reading that. But anyway, this article quoted Ms. Schulte as saying, American culture has long believed that working longer means working harder and being more productive, despite the flaws in that way of thinking. She noted the idea that there is a productivity cliff. Uh, Workers are only productive for a certain number of hours, after which their productivity declines and they may begin making mistakes. Um, She goes on to say, we've long had this really erroneous connection between long work must mean hard work and productivity, and it never has. So the point here, I guess, is working more isn't necessarily going to produce more or better. Uh, And I think we need to keep all keep that in mind. Sort of the counterpoint to that as something to consider and be thinking about is the a key concept of minimalism and in particular of Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, which I've talked about before and still highly recommend. I'll be reading it again this year. And that's the concept of less but better. I think it explains itself. It applies to possessions for sure. Instead of having 25 blouses, you know, that, that are cheap, cheaply made and um, not necessarily high quality, maybe spend that money on, you know, three really high quality blouses and so less but better. But it also applies to our activities, to our commitments, to just everything across the board. When we think about numbers in productivity and making a life that matters, it's not about having bigger numbers, more activities, more commitments, more involvements, but really fewer of them, but better ones, high quality ones that make a difference for your life and someone else's perhaps. So keep those thoughts in mind. And finally, I would say this, as I was thinking about numbers related to productivity. And I thought about the 365 days we have in a year, the 52 weeks we have in a year, the seven days we each have in a week, and the 24 hours 
each day that we can use to accomplish the things that matter to us, to make a life that matters. What it came down to me, what I realized is the most important number in the, in the productivity space, as far as I'm concerned, is the number one. And that is that we have one life, one life. We don't get a do-over. We don't get a, a second chance to, to, to live it differently. And so whatever tools, techniques, approaches, ideas, philosophies we use when it comes to being productive, all of it should come down to, to making the most of this one life that we have at a time. Similarly, the other way that the, the number one is important is the importance of focusing on one thing at a time. We've, and I won't get into uh, you know mul- the, the fallacy of multitasking, but if we can use our time wisely, focus on one thing at a time, be present, be where we are doing what we're doing, body, mind, and soul, We will make the most of all of our time and make our one life as meaningful as we want it to be. So those are my few thoughts on this concept of uh, productivity by the numbers. I'd love to know what you think. What are you doing with the time you have? What are your tools, techniques, uh, philosophies that you apply to be productive in the way that you want to be? I'd love it if you'd share that with me. Uh, You can do that in the comments section of the show notes, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 393. Or you can, uh, we can talk about it on Facebook. You can either post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, which anybody can find. Or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, we can talk about it there. Share your tips, share your questions. Let's help each other out to make the most of our, our one life. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. As a reminder before we go, if uh, one of the ways you want to improve your productivity and, and manage your one life Uh, is to manage anxiety and sleep better, I can sincerely and honestly recommend Calm. And remember, they're offering that exclusive offer of 40% off their premium subscription. Just go to calm.com slash TPW. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. And thank you so much to Calm for continuing to support the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it, my friends, for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.